Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 239 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a nationally recognized technology consultant, speaker, and blogger, as well as the owner of a successful software development company. She founded one of the earliest web development firms, eMedia, in 1996, and is a double recipient of the Stevie Award for Women in Business. She also serves as the president of the board of the International Women's Writing Guild. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Anna Murray. Hi, Phil. It's great to be here. Anna, that was pretty much a brief introduction, and obviously there's far more to your career than that that would suggest. Could you perhaps give us a little bit of an insight into your career in technology? Absolutely. So one of the things that I think people don't uh, know immediately about me from my bio is that in addition to running a tech company, I also am a fiction writer and I uh, have recently written a novel. It's coming out in the spring. So that's a a, a detail that a lot of people don't know. And also another interesting fact is that I'm an English major running a computer company. So that's not a typical uh, background in terms of coming into technology at all. No, it really isn't. And, and I think that a lot of people just assume because I, I have a lot of on the what I just call on the job training because I started a web company back in 1996. And I, of course, know, uh, uh, you know, I've picked up a ton of engineering over the years. But uh, it's, it's interesting. I think it's, a, I think it's another thing for people to consider that you can come to an IT career without a traditional IT background. I think that's very true. Yes, I mean, my own background has has nothing to do with uh, technology. I didn't do anything like that within my university course. Uh, It's just something I I enjoyed and I found it was the thing I wanted to do. Well, you know, I think that there's a lot of roles and I've had a lot of conversation with people trying to fill IT roles when there's a considered an IT drought. There are a lot of roles that could be filled by people who don't necessarily have an engineering degree. And we probably need to consider that as we look at IT staffing. Yes. I, I mean, from my, my own perspective, I, I think there's also, there's so much of a diversity of the different types of roles that you can you can do within information technology. I think a lot of people think very much that it's all about programming and coding. And of course, there's far more to it than that. Oh, no question. No question. It's, you know, it's actually interesting to think about the fact that I think we should be more open to different backgrounds and sort of the the modern way of screening resumes through automatic algorithms, et cetera, really mitigate against that. So it's something to consider. Definitely so, yes. Um, so Anna, if we're going to go into the flow of the interview now, could, could we start um, perhaps with a career tip, uh, one that maybe the audience don't know about and, and should? I think one of my best pieces of advice and career tips, all of us want to be moving our career ahead. And we all have sort of a to-do list in front of us. That's the daily to-do list. You know, you've got to, I don't know, retire this JIRA ticket or address this to-do item or come up with this report or whatever that happens to be. You've you've got to do it. 
And I think it's very important to have a second to-do list. And that's the one that moves your career forward, not just your daily tasks forward, but your career forward. And so that's sort of a parallel to-do list that if you're going to get somewhere important in your career, whether that happens to be writing a book or earning an extra degree or moving up the ladder, whatever that happens to be, you really need to keep your eye on that and not get drowned in your daily to-do list. Is that something you do yourself? Absolutely. I always have my secondary to-do list going. And actually, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm very dedicated and disciplined about keeping a certain segment of my day. I try to make that at least an hour, making a certain segment of my day dedicated to addressing the secondary to-do list. I once heard a, a yoga expert say, you know, in order to get anywhere in your yoga practice, you have to do sort of a like a 70% consistent effort. It's not a back-breaking effort every single day. You have to spend, you know, eight hours doing whatever, but just the consistent effort day to day to tackle that. And, you know, drip by drip, you know, you wear away the stone. Is this something you do on a regular basis? Do you revisit that list and then decide what your priorities and objectives are? Absolutely. In fact, you know, the funny thing is that I'm digital Dana. Everything for me is, you know, is written down digitally except my to-do list. And I make a point of rewriting my to-do list by hand every Monday morning. So it doesn't sort of get to be the stale thing. And then I really have a chance to revisit, especially that secondary to-do list, what's on it, why is it important, how has that shifted in a week? You know, unless you do that and you refresh it, you're not going to, you're always going to have that thing item on your to-do list, you know, write a book. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I don't need another item on my to-do list that says write a book. What's the first step that I'm going to take in terms of being able to write a book? Yes. And that, that sort of brings into question the the way you set objectives as well. So you, see you take something like a book, which is a big thing. It's a big task. You probably need to break it down into a sort of manageable and achievable chunks. What, no question. I think most people who reach any sort of achievement in their career have developed some kind of strategy to be able to overcome intimidation, overcome fear, and you know take those first two, three, four steps towards the bigger career goal. And you know, I mean, I, it's a little juvenile, but you know, uh, Mary Poppins, you know, well begun is half done. That there is never a truer statement I've heard. Yes, <laughs> very true. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, Anna, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? This happened very early in my career when I was still working in uh, package software. And I thought I was doing a great job and I was getting good feedback. And that was true. I was sort of a young person put in charge of a massive project. So I was really excited by it. And I missed a key component of the project plan, which was like a $250,000 miss. And I don't think I have ever been so scared in my entire life. I mean, you know, I was scared for my job in a way, but when you're, I don't know, 26 or 27, I think you always figure you're going to get, a, you know, another job. But it was was an important project. It was, you know, everybody was had so much excitement about getting it done. And the fact that I had sort of felt like I had doomed this project was horrifying to me. You know, this I was paralyzed by shame and surprise and fear and everything all mixed together. 
And what what did you learn from that? What, do you do things differently to ensure you don't make those sort of oversights or errors? You know, I think the thing is, I sort of integrated into my thinking that I couldn't be perfect. You know, in an in IT world, now, with this particular one, I wouldn't miss it again. That was just experience. There's plenty of things that you learn not to miss. You know, you stub your toe once and you learn in the dark that the, the coffee table is in that position in the living room. <laughs> You're not going to do that again. Yep. But I, I also learned that, in fact, I had a, a, a mentor at the time. She was a, on the vendor side and she was really just horrified along with me. And she really talked me through it. She said, you know, in big projects, there's always going to be a miss. You can't think of everything. And if you set that as your goal, you're going to paralyze yourself. So what I ended up doing was to really integrate the fact that I couldn't be perfect. And the second thing that she said was, you know, clients understand that there are going to be problems. A sophisticated client will know that straight off the bat. What they want is someone who can handle the problems. Whether you their problem, I mean, the client can very well introduce a problem as well, right? So, you know, they want to, they want your a cool head and energy in, and dedication in solving the problem. And I have taken that forward, you know, through a 20 year long career. Like you're not going to be able to spot everything, you know, fix the problem. Don't fix the blame. Yes. That's good advice. And moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight? Well, a couple of three, now we're in 2020. So I, uh, three years ago, I was able to, write and have a, a book published on managing a software project. And that was a really big achievement for me. And I, I later found out that uh, a new client that I had obtained got to me through the book and said he kept my book on his nightstand. And that was kind of funny because who keeps a software book on their nightstand, right? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it was... It was <laughs> One had to question what this guy was doing, but at, at the same time, it was um, it was a level of uh, recognition um, by a major publisher, and uh, really sort of said to me, you know, I I do have a lot of uh, good stuff to offer, and people, and you know, I would see my reviews on Amazon's Amazon, I would I would see sales, and it recently just got used in a college uh, university classroom in Canada in Montreal, so. Um, so it's very proud to be able to, without my being there, pass on knowledge to another generation. Yes. Can you just, just let us know what the name of the book actually is? It's called The Complete Software Project Manager. Great. Okay. From well, Planning do. to Launch and Beyond. And I'm easiest to find if you put the middle initial in my name. I'm Anna P. Murray. Turns out there's a lot of Anna Murrays out there. So I'm Anna P. Murray. Okay, we'll make sure there's a link to that uh, in the show notes and people will be able to, to go through and have a look at that book if they want to. Great. Anna, can you maybe tell us what excites you about the future of careers in the IT industry? I feel like it's the same thing that's always excited me. In IT, we're always on the cutting edge. And I think that's, that's as true now as it ever was. So that's really important, that you're always going to be moving the world forward. The other thing, which I, I don't think I would have realized if I were younger, is that the IT world provides, in certain parts of the profession, provides a very flexible ability to craft your career. 
So, you know, you could, the, the, the opportunities to work remotely, the opportunities to work for yourself, the opportunities to work on contract, I think it's in demand. It's always changing. It's cutting edge. It impacts the world. You could be someone who figures out how to get, you know, vaccines to places in remote villages that aren't reachable because you've invented a new method of refrigeration. You know, I don't know, but it, this is a, a career that has always impacted the world and continues to have that potentiality. Yeah, no, very true. Yes. I think the opportunity as well to be able to do things that, that make a big difference, I think that's the key to it. I think it's really important because I think the media, to some degree, covers the wow portion of IT, which, I don't know, tends to be robots and apps and dating apps and whatever. And, and I, I sort of I sort of wish that the media was more excited because it's out there. It was the media was more excited about things that actually impact, you know, the world in the way that, I don't know, the, the Model T impacted the world as opposed to, I mean, nobody, nobody needs to hear about another dating app. Not that they're not great, but, it, you know, it, it really isn't the heart of the matter as far as I'm concerned. No, very true. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I was really did it accidentally. I was a journalist. You know, I was a journalism major, which at the time meant that you were fairly technical, so I wasn't scared of technology, you know, editing tape and stuff like that. And um, I got attracted to the web. This was the next communication medium. So I saw technology as a communication medium. Now, I wasn't into coding and zeros and ones. I thought this is going to take over communication. And, you know, guess what? It did. Yes. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Oh, this one's important. My dad, years and years ago, I would have been in my, gosh, late teens, early 20s. I was worried about, you know, I don't know if I want to apply for this job, dad, and this is going to suit me, and it's too long a commuter, you know, whatever anybody whines about when they're wondering about whether, whether or not they should apply for a job. And my dad said, here's the thing, get the job, then turn it down. And I don't know why this advice isn't plastered on every billboard and every career advice book. I've never, I haven't seen it. My, my dad is like unique to having this piece of advice. And I hear young people talking about whether they're going to interview or I'm, am I going to blow off this interview because I'm, I'm secretly I'm not really interested. And I hear my dad in the back of my head all the time going, honey, get the job, then turn it down. Yes, exactly. It gives you the opportunity, doesn't it? If you don't do the interview, then you won't have the opportunity at all. So yeah, to me, that's a no-brainer. What is the worst career advice you've ever received? This one might be a little gender-based. Worst advice that I was ever given was speak up in a meeting. And I have to say, we're getting into a little bit potentially tricky territory here, but um, generally speaking, women, especially women as they go on in their careers, they really have to balance the uh, speaking up and having their voices heard with being, um, frankly, being likable. So you you really need as a woman, or I think any sort of person that's in the category of diversity, you really need to be conscious of making sure that you're being heard in a way where you'll be heard, not just making sure your voice is echoing in the room. Yeah. I think it's also important to make sure that you contribute. I think that's the key, isn't it? So I understand what you mean, what you're saying by the fact that you need to be heard. 
but it's about making a valuable contribution. There's no point, as you say, making sound if there's no value to it. Yes, and style and understanding how you your audience, how you're perceived by your audience and how you're going to be best perceived, all of that comes into the picture there. Yeah. I think also for people who are early in their careers, they, they may feel slightly reluctant to contribute because they just feel as though they're exposing themselves and maybe they don't feel they have the confidence or maybe an understanding of what the subject is to be able to contribute. But that comes with experience as well, doesn't it? Yes, I think, I think it does. And I do think that we just touched on both ends of the spectrum. As you might deduce, I don't have a problem speaking up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I do see young people in a meeting and they, they are sometimes too reluctant to speak up when their voices really do need to be heard. But a person in a context, a person is, you are yourself and you are your context. So taking into account, and IT folks can be a little tone deaf on this, taking into account the context of the meeting is super important. I, I was a drama, uh, I taught drama for a number of years. And so reading the audience and knowing what the audience needs to hear and how to deploy information, that's an important skill. IT folks could learn more of it. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? I'm super excited by data. I just think that the the tools that we have to collect and interpret data, and that gets, I mean, of course, it gets into machine learning and AI and so forth, but the, the ability for, for us these days to plow through mountains and mountains, oceans of data in order to, for example, learn that, you know, you can diagnose breast cancer better using AI than a human being can. I mean, that's all about data and data interpretation. So if I were going into IT today, I would be focusing my concentration on, on data. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? Actually, I'm glad to be at a point in my career where I can focus more on mentoring. And I also, uh, my a key goal around writing, you know, writing books, finding time for writing, finding times subject matter where I can contribute. Uh, I would really like to be doing much more in terms of that. And as you might imagine, that's on my secondary to-do list. Yes, indeed. Yes, I knew we'd revisit that at some point, but yes. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I always joke that I learned how to be a manager and CEO in a technical firm by teaching ninth grade English. Because I feel like organizing, uh, you know, chaotic children in in a situation where a fire alarm is ringing, you know, that 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 was that was key to being able to manage all of the chaotic things that have gotten thrown at me in IT. But joking aside, I think that you know, when you are a teacher, you've got to figure out a way for information that is that's really novel to people, you know, and really complex. I mean, imagine yourself, uh, I did some teaching of algebra because I coached for the SAT. And it's like, imagine yourself trying to get across to someone who's never heard this concept before. You know, how are you going to do that? And I think that, you know, I approaching IT topics that way, I mean, there's barely a day that goes by where I'm not attempting to explain something that's highly technical to an executive that really needs to know it in order to make a decision upon which rests millions of dollars. I mean, it's like teaching algebra. Yeah. 
It's also about, I think, as well, knowing your audience and who you're talking to and therefore being able to adjust the way you're talking to that individual for them to understand what you're trying to communicate. For sure. I've noticed certain patterns. And one of the big patterns that I've noticed is that the ability to communicate highly technical things and really get it to, because I'm well, who cares if it's technical, you know, to get whatever you're talking about down to the essence and understand the decision that the person on the other side of the table is going to need to make. Like, what is on the line here? What are the choices? Being able to distill it up into that is a really super valuable skill. Yes, very much so. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? You know, it comes down to work-life balance. And I often find that the times that I spend not doing the subject matter at hand, in this case, it's technical, right? Not doing that technical job, whether that's, whether, you know, I'm going for a walk with my dog or I'm riding my horse or I'm seeing a, a, a play, you know, all of those things that are completely in another type of your brain energize the other part, I really find that getting away from the really naughty questions that I might be facing, whether that's a negotiation or a business growth issue or a difficult client problem, getting away from it pours energy back to it somehow. Sure. So that leads nicely onto the last question of this set. So what do you do away from technology? I just named a few of them. I have a horse who I ride on the weekends. And I have an 18-month-old puppy, and right. that keeps me busy. Yep. And then, you know, it's, it's, we all, I think, hope to have enough time for, I live in New York City, so enough time for friends and dining and theater and travel. My husband and I love to travel to various places around the globe. And Anna, can you share a parting piece of career advice for the IT career and it as an audience? So this one is another one that ranks up there with uh, the one I gave about my father, get the job, then turn it down. I think that people, when they set goals for where they want their career to be, it would be better if we listed the qualities that we want rather than saying, you know what, what I want to do is I want to become a CIO, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know, but I think if we peel it back, if you knew someone who said, I want to be a lawyer, well, what is it about law or CE, CIO or what is it about that that you want in your life? Because, you know, we've all heard it, you know, be careful what you wish for because you'll get it. And I think that you don't necessarily understand that when I said CIO, when I said I want to be a CIO, what I meant was a certain amount of money. Well, that's fair. Or what I meant was a certain amount of prestige in my career. Well, that's fair. Or what I meant was the, a certain amount of excitement and travel in my career. Okay, all of those are legitimate things. They'll, you know, whether they're in your value system or not, they're legitimate things. Well, why not name those? Because I bet there are six different jobs that you could get that all have those that aren't CIO. And you just limited yourself by saying, I want to be a CIO. And what you really meant was, I want to reach a certain level of achievement. I want to have a certain amount of money. I want to have a certain amount of, uh, of, of adventure and, and excitement and the things that I do. All of that, maybe in a CIO job, maybe not. So I think young people would be much better served to and try to enumerate to themselves what they're looking for in a job as opposed to the job that they're after. Yes. Yep. That makes perfect sense. Yes. And Anna, finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? 
Well, I'm Googleable. It's Anna P. Murray. Again, putting that initial in there is, is, is super important. I have a website, which is emediaweb.com. And I can be found on Amazon. If you look for software project manager, Anna P. Murray, you'll find me there too. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. It's been a, a delight. Thanks for having me. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.